0: I'm Crystal Keating and this is the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Each week we're bringing you real conversations about disability and finding hope through hardship and sharing practical ways that you can welcome and include people living with disability in your community. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our encouraging conversations. As COVID-19 has brought devastation to communities around the world, those living with disability have been hit the hardest this Christmas you can send critical Christ-centered support to a family in desperate need your gift of 125 dollars provides basic medical care mobility support food and dignity supplies for an entire month give the perfect gift today at johnnyandfriends.org Jennifer Hay Ko is joining me on the podcast today as she helps us walk through the cleansing and healing process of lament. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. It's wonderful to be able to spend this time with you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I am really looking forward to this conversation about the biblical practice of lament. And if you've been a Christian for any season of time, you have probably cried out to God through deep grief, loss, and heartache. And so I know it's something that's a very important topic, especially as we near the end of 2020. This has been a difficult year. And actually, I was thinking about Things that Vanitha Reisner said in our last podcast, she really talked about lament. So I'm excited that you're going to take us deeper into that. But before we do, I thought we'd begin this conversation by hearing a bit of your own story. I know you're a mama to an adorable daughter, and you have a wonderful husband. Mm -hmm. And I also know that you live with some chronic illnesses and are often homebound.
1: I actually have quite a rap sheet of diagnoses. Uh, my first diagnosis was complex post-traumatic stress disorder, with psychosomatization, which came with some social and emotional developmental delays. Hmm. And then about a year and a half after that, I thought I was getting better, and then I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. It's most commonly identified as widespread pain and fatigue. And then I have a common co-condition of fibromyalgia, which is hypoglycemia, which is sort of like prediabetes. Then I have chronic fatigue syndrome, also called ME. It's a mysterious disease characterized by profound fatigue that is not resolved with rest. Mm -hmm. So I have chronic Lyme disease, (laughs) causing flu-like symptoms, joint pain, weakness, sensory sensitivity. And for me, the Lyme infection has crossed the the blood-brain barrier into the brain, which has caused just central nervous system disruption, including a mental illness that manifests in various kinds of psychosis. Mm. Um, I have babesiosis, which is a malaria-like blood parasite, and relapsing fever, which is a bacterial infection that can cause, just like it sounds, recurring bouts of fever, headache, muscle, and joint aches, and nausea, and also motor skill issues. Mm. So the Lyme disease also confuses and weakens the immune system. And for me, that has caused um, mast cell activation syndrome for eight months in 2019, my skin felt like I had a second degree burn head to toe it was tender and itchy and it made it really painful to wear clothes. And I really got to commune with Job during that time. I really mm-hmm. felt like I could understand why it was an ailment of the skin that contributed so much to his grief. My body has been unable to detox common toxins that we all interact with on a daily basis which for me has caused chronic mold infection and potentially heavy metal poisoning.
0: Wow. So you live with almost constant pain. And so I know that even sitting here and talking is, is a sacrifice for you. And so I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being willing to share your story. Because in the times of grief, you have written these amazing devotionals. If you've heard the podcast at any time, you know that we receive so much mail from people who live with the unpredictability of a chronic illness or a disability. They love the Lord but they're writing in wanting a biblical perspective about how to process their grief. Even people who've lost a loved one and are experiencing that emptiness, or family members who are dealing with the impact of a traumatic injury for their loved ones, I think this conversation is going to be really powerful as we process lament through God's goodness and God's sovereignty. So I wanted to ask you, how did this journey of learning lament begin for you?
1: Yeah. Like most people, I was lamenting long before I knew that that was what I was doing. Mm. But a few years ago, I gave a seminar at our church about navigating the thought life, and it was so well-received that I wanted to write a booklet so that people could have access to the material Halfway through, unfortunately, the project just called for research that I knew my brain just was not capable at the time, the the brain fog that you you were just talking about. So at the beginning of 2019, I had to lay that project on the altar and just trust that God would do something with it. And after that, God brought me into a deep season of grieving. Mm. And he squeezed all this poetry out of me. Um, that I shared on my Instagram page as part of a writing community Hmm. that I'm a part of. One of the most common comments I received was that I was giving them words for their pain, words that they themselves did not have. And I know what it's like to not have words. The trauma of chronic challenges takes away our ability to verbalize And that can make us feel stuck and isolated and powerless. So I found myself praying, Lord, there's something here and I don't know what it is. And I felt him speak to my spirit. This is lament, Mm -hmm. write about lament. So I started to pour into the Psalms of lament. I looked into lament through the Bible, particularly in places where Christ himself lamented. Mm -hmm. And it turned into my own daily devotion I'm just observing the scriptures, writing down what I found.
0: It's such a critical stage of healing. You know, when you talk about being stuck, it's when we don't have verbiage to identify what we're feeling and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think if the Bible is the word of God, what better place to start? So how would you describe lament? What is it?
1: Mm. My short answer is lament is simply pouring out your anxieties and pain to God. It's drawing attention to the things that are wrong in our lives and in the world and asking God to do something about it. Mm -hmm. It's telling God and in the presence of others, what is grieving you or who is grieving you Mm -hmm. and calling God to action in the expectation that God hears you and he's willing to do something about it. I would describe lament as prayer It is offering up our desires to God. It is also a form of worship. The best definition I have found for worship is from John Piper, who says, Worship is an inner valuing or treasuring of God above all things, becoming visible in two ways. One, the mouth, and two, acts of service. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say, With our mouths, we turn to God in our need saying with or without words that he is our desired treasure and so when we turn to god with words of lament we are in effect treasuring his wisdom his might his love his action and ability above our own and when we lean into lament with or on behalf of another it is a treasuring of god above all things through service So in this way, lament can be defined as worship and fellowship. I would also describe lament as an act of faith and hope. Mm. Lamenting to God is a brave act of faith that God cares when we endure circumstances that could raise doubts about his love. Mm. And it is an act of hope that God will respond to our cries Lament is also a way of putting on the armor of God. We are, in effect, standing firm against the enemy instead of bowing to his commands, which would lead us to envy, covetousness, fear, worldly sorrow. And within the practice of lament, the fruits of the Spirit are being grown in us. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I love what you said, that lament is actually an act of faith. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe some of us from various backgrounds were taught that it's wrong to actually be so transparent oh. to God. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the scriptures and the, the the writers of the Psalms, they were so transparent with yes. God about how they felt and what God wasn't doing in the moment as they thought mm-hmm. and what they wanted him to do. And so it invites mm-hmm. us into a really intimate relationship with a God who we say, I know you're like this. I don't feel that way, but I'm going to bring it before you. Yeah. And that can just allow such a deeper relationship with God in the midst of circumstances that we don't want and we don't understand. You know, you wrote something really profound that has, I've been kind of like mulling it over and you were talking about how sometimes we go to God and ask why. And you wrote that God is not all that interested in explaining something that we'll never understand. And I just thought, that is so good. Like it's okay to ask why, but there's going to be times when we don't understand. But he is interested in revealing that he's faithful, that he loves us, that he cares, that he's true, (laughs) that he's for us, and that he's going to work all things together for good. You know, one of the things actually we talked about with Vanitha was confession and how confession is a part of the healing and transformational process of becoming more like jesus jesus was perfect he was full of love motivated by pure intentions and he was all about the father's business i want to be like that so i'm i'm wondering how confession is also a part of lament
1: confession and lament are intertwined in a couple of ways so first to you know work the question backwards lament is an integral part of confession mm. When we come to know Christ for the first time, we are confronted by our sin and our need. And we lament over those things and ask for Jesus to come and uh, be our savior. In that sense, you can't truly confess and turn to walk in repentance with joy without first grieving and lamenting the sin that put you at odds with God.
0: So true.
1: This is one of the ways that lament is a mandatory pathway to lasting joy, joy in God. Confession as a part of lament, it's twofold. First, lament is confessing our need. And now this aspect of confession isn't necessarily about sin, but confessing that we ourselves are needy finite we have limits and those needs are met in God we lament to God and that very act is confessing that we have a need and we are going to Jehovah Jireh God our sustainer to hear us and meet that need as he sees fit and if we are not confessing that we have need then our grieving is not lament it's pride, it's worldly sorrow, it's grieving that we have failed to be God while still believing that we should be God. So confessing our need is a part of what makes up lament. And the second aspect of confession as a part of lament is about confessing revealed sin. As we see in the book of Job, it is completely possible to fully lament without sinning. The book says twice that Job lamented and did not sin. Mm-hmm. What is also possible and more common for us is that our suffering reveals unbelief or, or sins within us that we are unaware of, that God is intending to root out. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the book, Job becomes so exhausted, so frustrated, so confused that he accuses God of either not being loving or not being sovereign. And it is there that God steps in and corrects him. Mm -hmm. And having had God revealed to him, Job sees that he has sinned against God. At the beginning of chapter 42, we see him confessing his wrong saying, "'I have uttered what I did not understand. "'I repent in dust and ashes.'" which in in that time, in that cultural context, carving yourself with dust and ashes was a physical act of grieving and lamenting. Hmm. I would want to stress that this aspect of confession and lament is not at all about condemnation. Like you said, Crystal, it's about healing and transformation. Hmm. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance from a place of love because sanctification the continual cleansing of our sin after we first believe this sanctification is what is best for us and what is going to lead us to that Christ likeness greater hope greater faith greater love grace and rejoicing so we see that lament is again a mandatory pathway to joy God knows that this life is hard (laughs) he knows that we don't have perfect perspective so he has a deep compassion when we fall into sins of unbelief unholy anger and complaining
0: that is so comforting to me because even in these last few months i have found myself crying out to god and sort of this fit attitude like what is happening? What is going on? And, and I feel like I am lamenting, but I'm also complaining. So how, how can we tell if we're tipping over to that line? Yeah. So complaining
1: is talking about God, mm. um, sort of like gossip, I suppose, but it's talking about God with spoken or unspoken accusations that He isn't good or He hasn't provided us with what we need or deserve. Whereas lamenting is honestly talking with God in hope and confidence that He hears, that He cares, and He will take action on your behalf. Mm. So complaint is coming from a place of unbelief, whereas lamenting is coming from a place of belief. Sometimes we don't know which one we're doing, and that's okay. Mm. God gives us grace. He really just wants us to work
0: it out with Him. That's beautiful. I mean, when I think about a child throwing a tantrum and the parent <laughs> saying, I know you feel like you need this. I know you feel like you yeah. want this. I know that you don't understand, but I still love you. And I'm going to hold you through your tantrum until the angry cries become a cry of, okay, like I trust you. And God doesn't distance himself from us in those times. He really draws us close. And I'm just so thankful that he's so kind and that he's so generous to be able to handle us when we don't understand. You know, in your writing, you've talked about seasons of lament. What has that looked like for you through the years?
1: There are seasons of lament and what I call maintenance lament, um which is regularly acknowledging the things that we've endured and done through the day. But seasons of lament, and I, I feel like I feel like it's different every time. as a new believer wanted, all the answers anyone could give me, I yeah. would just cry out to the Lord. As for just answers, why was I sick? What was I sick with? You know, When was this pain going to stop? But over the years, he just continually has shown me that he is not interested so much in giving us all the answers to things we don't have the capacity mm-hmm. or perspective to understand. But rather he desires that nearness in my most recent season of lament, I I just got to a point where I just, I wasn't searching for answers. I wasn't seeking merely to feel better about my situation. I just simply and honestly, from the burning bottom of my soul, made my heart known to my heavenly father and invited anyone who could stomach it to join in with me in my low position, just an invitation for them to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. Some seasons, all I can do is sing, lament hymns, either because I don't know what I'm feeling or I just don't have the words for it. Other times I'm just, I'm writing all the time and I'm not really a journaler per se, but I write phrases and moments and feelings that oftentimes do turn into poetry for me. Um, Still other times I just cry. (laughs) Again, just not having words, not knowing what I'm feeling or just being completely overwhelmed by the amount of what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I just, I cry to God, knowing he hears me, knowing the Holy Spirit is translating my groans into prayers and that God catches my every tear. Um, it says in uh, Psalm 54, 8, he just treasures those moments, those moments that we would rather not be in. Mm-hmm. He treasures them and he keeps them. More recently though, My lament has been just really quiet, just quietly sitting with God, letting Him read my mind. I might shed a tear or two, but I just sit quietly with Him, just peacefully lamenting, which sounds like an oxymoron, but knowing that He is working out all of this for good and glory, even though it still hurts and is still worth lamenting over.
0: I like that picture of sitting quietly in lament. Mm -hmm. I picture someone maybe who lost a loved one many years ago. And Mm -hmm. like the acuteness of the loss of their loved one is gone, but the emptiness is still there. And the void is still there. And God is still good. But no one ever replaces that person. And, you know, I think my mind goes to the passages in Scripture that call us outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the Lord always and be glad in Him. And, you know, I think about the book of James that calls us to count it all joy when we encounter various trials. I, I think sometimes I think, Lord, that's impossible. Like, how can I rejoice right now? And yet I know that I'm supposed to come to the mirror of God's word and say, okay, I need to hold this up to myself. Lord, I can't do this, but you can. And so although sufferers may find it helpful to come to God's word and have the word challenge their souls. How do we get to a place of sincere worship and submissive joy? How do we know when our season of lament maybe is finished?
1: Yeah, I I would say that they're not exclusive from one another. Mm. So getting to the place where we are able to count it all joy and rejoice always, it's a nonlinear process, right? First of all, we need to remember the breadth of the Bible, the bible does say to rejoice always however it also says that there is a time to grieve mm. we need to allow ourselves the space to really grieve without worrying whether or not we are rejoicing because god has held space for us to grieve mm. god himself grieves it's significant that the shortest sentence in the bible is john 11:35 jesus wept mm. period right? John doesn't record anything else in that sentence. He simply writes, Jesus wept. And this is an action that we are invited to walk in as well. Um, What I particularly love about lament is that it is the working of faith that leads to rejoicing. When we are able to rejoice in all circumstances, that is the result of faith that has been previously worked out when we lament that is our faith in the furnace of affliction in the refiner's fire you know lamenting is the faithful act of working out our salvation with fear and trembling Mm -hmm. we are being faithful to go to god with hope for joy even though we are grieving and in our lament We may also experience the joy of deepening fellowship with Christ, that odd joy that comes from enduring pain with an intimate friend. Yeah, so this is yet another way that lament is a pathway to lasting joy in fellowship with Christ. Mm -hmm. To give us a picture, um, we can think of our spiritual being as a house. For the believer, faith is the foundation of the house, Hebrews 11.1. And the pillars of the house are hope, peace, and joy. So other entities such as grieving and lament, even envy or other sins can pass through the house, but the house's foundation and pillars stand firm. Mm. We can grieve and we can lament while not losing our foundational joy in Christ without losing our peace or, or our hope or our faith. These are the things that God works in us to hold us together so that we can stand firm in the midst of a storm. And as to when that storm passes, when the season of lament is over, it's, man, it's such a sensitive conversation between the believer and the Lord. There's no set time limit for a season of lament. Um, And especially for those of us who have chronic challenges, you know, that maintenance lament will be laced throughout our life, Mm -hmm. even throughout our our day. And it becomes a regular part of our life for, you know, the health of our soul.
0: I love that picture of the pillars of our house being built on love, faith, joy, hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that idea of standing firm and standing Mm -hmm. fast. And you talk about how lament is part of our spiritual armor. And Mm -hmm. I want to read something you wrote. Something happens in the heavenly realms. In crying aloud, both our groanings of grief and our memories of our righteous God, we allow desperation to pour from our body and soul. This outpouring makes a deafening noise in the ears of Satan as God receives them. In this way, we are simultaneously worshiping God in standing firm against the enemy. And I just love that picture. I love the thought of something happening in the spiritual realms when Mm -hmm. we're crying out to God. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You know, one of the other things that I found very interesting as I've followed you on Instagram is the idea of suffering as a community. That's something that Johnny and Friends talks about a lot because mm-hmm. it's biblical. We yeah. we do have that personal relationship with God, but his intention is that we suffer together. I know there's those who believe God wills to heal everyone if they just have enough faith um so how do we as a community reconcile ongoing suffering when we haven't been healed when it seems like only heaven will make things right
1: yeah this is such an important question crystal because yeah we as christians need a sound sufferology right (laughs) a theology of suffering in order to love one another well amid long suffering what we need to do is is listen to sufferers lament without judgment or imposition and get into the scriptures to see what god says about suffering without sticking in our own interpretations i think it's really easy for some people who have been healed of illness to see the world through that experience sure and then lay that on other people. I've, at certain points, have felt like, no, this is, this is my lifelong calling mm. to be ill. For example, I've had many people quote certain verses to me. For instance, Psalm 103, 3, talking about our God who heals all your diseases. Mm-hmm. They use that as evidence that God will always heal our diseases in this life. Mm. And I can totally see how someone would want that to be true, Um, But we need to look at those scriptures within their context, their literary context, their cultural context, and the context of the passage, the context of the chapter, all the way out to the context of the entire biblical narrative. For instance, Psalm 103 is a poem. It's song lyrics. It's not a didactic or, or a teaching scripture. While the Psalms are wisdom texts, they're also poems, and so we need to read them as poems. And because that part of verse 3 is sandwiched in between two passages talking about sin, it could mean that God will heal our disease of sin, mm. perhaps talking about sanctification, or it could mean that you know the healing of any and all diseases only comes from God. So any credit for healing must go to God, the one who heals all of our diseases, physical, mental, spiritual. And of course, in heaven, everyone will be given new healthy bodies and minds, but it is not a promise that he will do so in this life. The hard truth is that while God desires for us to be healed, his will is for maximum glory and for some of us that maximum glory will come through pain and weakness chronically as christ says to the apostle paul in second corinthians 12 9 he says my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness right his power is made perfect in our weakness so really we need to turn our thinking on its head And count it joy, right? Coming back to the James 1 verse, count it joy when we endure trials because God is working out His glory in us. Mm -hmm. We need to honor the weakest among us because we have chronic opportunities to display the power of God in our weakness. His power in our weakness does so many things. For me, it has allowed me to have uh, such an intimate relationship relationship with God like I know him Hmm. and he has given me wisdom that I don't think would have been possible without a chronic reminder of how much I need him how much I need to go to him I've seen evidence that the ripples of God's work in my life goes beyond myself to touch and change the people around me and in all of this working out of my salvation in the midst of the circumstances God has given me is storing up for myself treasures in heaven, right? That hope for heaven that I have glimpses of now in my relationship with God and treasures to be revealed in their entirety when I go home.
0: Well, you have a spirit full of hope and I know that's been wrought out in deep darkness, but God is brightly shining through you. And I know that Mm -hmm. your words mean a lot, especially to those who have chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jennifer, as we close our time together, I'm wondering if you'd want to share some personal thoughts and encouragement to those who are listening today, who may also be feeling the weight Mm -hmm. of grief and loss and feel that they're in a long season of lament.
1: brings tears to my eyes. I know so many people are suffering in so many ways, especially this year. And And I'm particularly thinking of those of us who our isolation has been increased because of these restrictions. And for those who we're seeing after contracting COVID-19 are now having what seems to be chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, They're kind of thrust into this new normal. Healthcare workers, therapists, and pastors who are on the front lines. What I know for sure, beyond any doubt, is that God hears the cries of his children. The first name that God was given by a human in the Bible was Elroy, which means my God who sees me. Speaking to the listeners, beloved, God sees you. To paraphrase and elaborate on um, Exodus 3:7, one of my, my favorite passages, beloved, God Almighty, your Elroy sees your affliction. He hears your cries for mercy. He knows your suffering, and He desires to hear from you about it. It's true that God already knows all, but but God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear the way you express what is going on. He wants to hear your interpretation of what is happening. He, He wants to walk with you through it. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to talk to Him for your good for His glory, and for the strengthening of your relationship with Him. Friends, God sees your affliction. It's not gone unnoticed. He hears your cries for mercy. He knows your suffering. And He has sent Jesus Christ down to deliver you. And we can look for that deliverance to come in one of three ways. First, we can experience deliverance as a Passover, similar to um, the Israelites in Exodus during the plagues where the curse of the death of the firstborn had passed over them. For my family, we're currently waiting to have our daughter tested to see if she has some of the same conditions that I have. And should those test results come back negative, God would have delivered our family from that suffering from our daughter's suffering in that way. The second way his deliverance may come is in a relieving of painful circumstances after a time. He could deliver you out of your current pain after a time in his perfect time. Um, and the third way we can look for God's deliverance for some of us, it's such a hard truth, but our long suffering. God will deliver us repeatedly into his presence, solidifying our faith in his promises to be near, to strengthen us, and to supply us with what we need. And then one happy day, he will deliver us into his arms in heaven, having not experienced healing on this earth, but having not lost the faith. He will deliver us into heaven as those strengthened in faith and purified into Christ's likeness so that when we see Christ's face, we will intimately know him. He will know us and say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. If I could, I'd love to leave you with a poem from... One of my Seasons of Lament, it's a poem of joy through pain that I wrote years ago. It's a reflection of my meditations when I'm in pain, or at least where I'd like them to be in fellowship with Christ, wondering how he experienced in his life what I'm feeling now, and it's called Vision Through Blood. Lightning coursing through my every nerve beckons Savior's lashes, which I deserve, Migraines pierce like a crown, many a thorn, reminiscent of the one the Son of God had borne. Fatigue pressing in, down, and across, as Jesus Christ carrying up the heavy cross. Pain ever deep leaves me cringing and curled, akin to spikes hurled into the light of the world. This body's chewing of my soul never quells, redolent of God-born man, Emmanuel. Lucifer's hammer nails in his undoing, finishing a stage for magnificent viewing. Satan's plan to crush and destroy has only worked pure glory and joy. The father of truth uses the father of lies in vanquishing the binds of Satan's ties. These thorns in my flesh were sent for my good, leaguing me with the one hung upon wood. His goodness and greatness can never be quelled.
0: Alpha and Omega-born man, Emmanuel. Amen. What a powerful and beautiful poem, especially as we look at Christmas and think about Emmanuel, God with us, all the pain that he suffered, all the pain that you are enduring. You're turning it to Christ. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, your poetry, and your story with us. Jennifer, it was great to have you on the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you for listening today. To learn more about how you can give the perfect gift this Christmas, please visit johnnyandfriends.org. If you've been inspired by our conversation or have a comment about something you heard, please drop me a message at podcast at johnnyandfriends.org. I would love to hear from you. And to get our next conversation automatically, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Crystal Keating, and thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.